beaten down and covered in gore from the recent battle, as the cloud of smoke disperses, the trio listens for a pair of steps descending into their floor. What in damnation is this? An aging human woman with a crab perched on her right shoulder exclaims as she takes in the carnage that just took place. I expect payment for damn. Her facade turns pale with the sight of the last death at her feet. As she looks up at the three adventurers, she seems lost in thought. You. Killed a. Van Thampur. The three ready their weapons for a second as the woman raises both her hands in a gesture of peace. I am this tavern's captain, Larielra, and I wish not to know any of your names. Any damages are minor, inconsequential. I wish you three only to vanish from here. She gazes at the half-burned corpse of Amrik. Van Thampur men will descend here any time now, they have eyes and ears all throughout Baldur's Gate. I know your faces, this will be punished enough. Flee. The Van Thampur family will hunt you down anywhere in this city. Flee Baldur's Gate if you want to leave. And, please, never come back here. We are after these devil worshippers under the authority of Captain Zaj, Lady Larielra, Ozmas says quietly, and we intend to see their felony through. They are paying dead three worshippers to slaughter Baldurians, Captain Ma'am. They need to be stopped. Matthew claims. I care. Not. Larielra shoots between her teeth. Out. The three, including an exhausted Akane, stand for a moment, then leave around both Amrik's and Larielra's bodies. As they reach Low Lantern's main deck, a cloaked figure approaches them, distracting them from the lack of ravens. Dash. Holding the hilt of her longsword, a pubescent voice comes from under the hood. I see this tavern has seen more than ale flow as of late. Justice has flown here, child. Metal not in our affairs. Akane spits. Yes, I see and the young woman clad in heavy armor pulls back her cloak to reveal a brown-skinned face, forthright and devoid of judgment. For I seek just myself, for the city of El Turo. You come from El Turo? Ozmas asks in disbelief. Yes, and I saw her downfall, to my dismay. But this is not a matter for now, for I came seeking Amrik Van Thampur. Do you know of him, adventurers? A moment of silence extends as the trio share glances amongst themselves. I expect an answer, gentlemen says the young woman. Akane inhales deeply, before saying, he was the receiving end of said justice. Consorting with devil worshippers and fomenting slaughter of Baldurians. I am a hellrider, so I would thank you all since this seems a grave matter. Although I figured a Vanthampur could help me locate Overseer Craig. I wish to ask him about my home city. Lady, we just incurred the wrath of the most influential family in Baldur's Gate. Maybe we should have this conversation in a more private setting? Osmus was looking behind his shoulders pressed to get out the streets as soon as possible. You are right, Tiefling. My name is Rhea Mandelmorn, I am a Hellrider from El Turo. May I accompany you, for you seem to have information that could help me, and I assure you I have input you may find helpful. Let's just go, shall we? Matthew spills. Gather around me, I know a trick that may help us cover our tracks. Matthew moves his hands as he whispers words in a whistled language. Within a few seconds, dark green mists come forth from a small branch of pine attached to a necklace and cover the feet of the four companions. These mists envelop further still Rhea's armor, penetrating into every nook and crane of her clacking metal armor. Now we are good. We're too? I saw an inn on the way here, we are not known there, it should be as good a choice as any. Akane. They all wind their way through alleys to this inn, while Kaleb circles them from above, watching out for Vanthampur agents. Dash. A weathered wooden plaque above the door, in the form of a writhing cephalopod, reads the grey squid. The main hall is, as one could expect, 
a collection of half-broken tables and stools where a handful of commoners drink away their few coins. A hearth to the right of the main room is alit with a blazing fire that makes this room suffocating. No windows adorn the walls, not even the front. The bar to the back of the room seems to be untended until a corpulent bronze dragonborn comes from a curtain. Welcome, welcome, fair travelers. Be most welcome to the Grey Squid, your humble home away from home. Clearly a well-rehearsed greeting the Dragonborn offers newcomers in a coarse voice. I am Shambesh, your servant. How may I help you? We seek lodging for the four of us. A single room would be best, if available. Says Osmus before anyone else can intervene, as the dark green mists vanish imperceptibly. Oh, a single room? Four people? You know this is not a house of depravity, I hope? Says Shambesh, now in less coarse of voice. Yes, we do. We adventurers sleep best when we watch each other backs, you see? Matthew replies naturally. Only Rhea and Shambesh seem to be unfamiliar with such a request. If you say so. I will still charge four stays, you see. How much, ma'am? Now Akane asks. A silver per head. A rat scurries just behind Shambesh into the room beyond the curtains, a clear indication of the overprice the dragonborn is imposing on them. Osmus puts two gold pieces on the counter. One night, four heads, meals included, and throw a couple gallons of ale, is this fair, Drog Shambesh? Shambesh tries to feign indifference in face of the offer and fails miserably. Croesus, Sima, Darfen Ronan, which only Osmus understands. Hajaldan, come here now. An elderly mountain dwarf emerges from behind the adventurers. Yes, Green Gleam? Take these patrons to room four, it will be theirs for private use till high noon tomorrow, Shembesh utters, now gentle, your key, too, is theirs for the period. As you order, Green Gleam. The dwarf motions for them to follow. 1. Main hall, 2. Kitchen, 3. Pantry, 4. Private rooms, room 1 above, room 3 below, 5. Small common room, room 2, 6. Large common room, room 4, 7. Shambesh's private quarters, 7A. Room, 7B. Bathroom. This is your room for the night, masters and lady. The dwarf bows lower than one would find comfortable. I will bring lunch momentarily, and a gallon of ale, as requested. He battles against a curing for a few moments before unlatching a single one. This is the key to your chamber. Is there anything else I can be of service? No, thank you, sir. Osmus bows, albeit shallowly in comparison. The dwarf leaves them be, then. Dash. A few moments pass after the dwarf leaves the room when the four people make no movement but take in their surroundings, then Osmus takes a deep breath and draws his amethyst orb. This will take a couple minutes if you don't mind. He aims the question at Rhea. Okay? Then the tiefling begins chanting in an unknown language while drawing arcane sigils out of thin air, slowly but surely around the room. Both the human and the half-orc pay no mind to Osmus chanting and just begin unpacking some nighttime essentials from their backpacks. The teenager, not understanding one thing, approaches the half-orc and asks in a whisper, is this standard behavior? Pointing her head towards Osmus. Oh, we need not whisper, Rhea. Akane says out loud. Oz needs far more than people talking to break his concentration. You see, he may be young, but he has been training in the arcane since he was half your age and laughs warmly. But yes, this is standard behavior. Which has saved our ass. Skins time and time again. He is casting a spell to warn us if someone breaks into our bedroom during the night. Although it is a little past high noon. He will have to cast it again before we sleep. 
intervenes Matthew. Sorry, I have never seen magic. Not arcane, at least. We don't have many openly arcane casters at El Turo. It is alright, replies the human, I am a divine caster myself, you see. Although it's not the wild mother who grants me power, rather nature itself does. But I don't draw power from the arcane, and for most of my life didn't trust the arcane, to be quite honest. Rhea gives an uncomfortable laughter. I was always taught to shun the arcane. You need not. The arcane is not the problem, as the divine is not the solution. The caster shapes either to their will, and the caster can be either the problem or the solution. Matthew's green eyes lock at Rhea's, but with a sharp honesty that takes her off guard. Sometimes both, too. Adds Akane with a smirk. Yes, sometimes both too. But Oz is not the problem. He had every reason to be, of course. Matthew's voice now lowers to a whisper. His mother is human, but his father was fully devil, as far as he could discover. He was shunned and hurt since birth, and humans, elves, and dwarves all treated him as an aberration. He chose not to succumb and fought his way into kindness. Oz is the solution, trust me. A little over ten minutes had passed as Ozmus got to the corner where he began his casting. His chanting paused for a moment as he drew near to the other three people. You are new here, may I touch you to include you within my protection? You may, Rhea replied. A couple more words echoed unnaturally as Ozmus touched Rhea's forehead. And, as sudden as it began, the spell finished, with all blue sigils on the wall fading away. Again before bed, y'all. A knock on the door took everyone by surprise. Your lunch, masters and lady. Leave it by the door, please, thank you. A drop of sweat broke from Ozma's forehead. As you order, master. Nice meal. The clink of a full plate laid on the wooden floor was heard, and the dwarf's steps went away. Oh, by the knowing lady. I forgot about him. If he touched the door, all the inn would ring in. Well, it would be awkward. Ozma's color went into ice blue from his paleness. Akane's laughter rolled like thunder. Oh, that time at Neverwinter. Matthews followed. Oh, we made quite a ruckus that day. Even the innkeeper thought it was demons, and he was a tiefling. Akane rolled over, unable to breathe and laugh at the same time. All while Rhea stood there, not quite following. You see, Rhea, Ozmus found some breath between laughter. This spell is called alarm, and it creates a, well, alarm that goes off whenever someone I haven't allowed crosses its limits. I set it to ring audibly, as opposed to alert inside my mind only, for I wish Matt and Khan to awake as fast as me. This one time at Neverwinter a hand of the inn brought our dinner and crossed the door, but I had already set up the alarm, and for what seemed an eternity a plethora of bells tolled, which the whole inn could hear. We are not allowed near two blocks of the dastardly drunk to this day. Akane was still laying on his bed. Not that I wish to set foot at that sad excuse for an inn. Matthew added. Not even I can morph into a rat as big as theirs, and I'm a druid. Laughter rolled from the three, while Rhea stood there, for a few minutes still. Let me get our lunch, then? I can cross the door, I hope. Rhea intervened. Yes, dear, you can. Ozmas found some breath. To be continued.